0: You're listening to Strictly Business podcast with Lindsay Williams.
1: It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, over the years, you've always talked enthusiastically about banks, and sometimes they've done nothing. Sometimes they've done something that's uh, not very good for investors. Uh, but at the moment, uh, or rather, quite recently, they've been in the ascendancy. We've just seen numbers out from Nedbank following a stunning trading update last week where the share price was up, I don't know, 8%, 9% or something, and the results came out today. What do you make of
0: them? And yes.
1: does, does it does it bode well for the future?
0: Well, look, you know, when, when I talk enthusiastically about Nedbank and just about the banks in general, it's more to do with the valuation of the actual shares because they've been, you know, quite undervalued for, a, I think, a sustained time period. So when you look at... Uh, at at Nedbank, but it, but it's the same story on on all the banks. You know, you're sitting on a ten price earnings ratio, so almost single digit price earnings ratio, which is which is low for companies that have produced relatively stable, um, you know, other than last year with the with the COVID and the lockdown, relatively relatively stable earnings and dividends over time. You know, you don't get the case where. I mean, it happened during COVID where dividends were suspended, uh, were, 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 were withdrawn, mm-hmm. but you don't normally get that. I mean, in a, in a bad year, dividends might be down 10%. You know, you don't normally get the dividends. They don't normally pass the dividends. So they don't show uh, the same sort of variability of earnings as what a mining company will or, or a resource company. And yet the price, you know, these things are almost single-digit uh, price earnings ratios, which I think uh, uh, you know quite cheap over over time. So if you take if you take Nedbank, uh, because they reported today, the good thing is they're paying a divvy. You know they're actually paying the dividend out, um, an interim dividend where they where they passed the last two dividends. That so shows you their capital ratios are actually quite stable. You know these companies have traded on average about a twelve price earnings ratio. And uh, taking into account today's earnings, because earnings are up 168 odd percent, they're trading on a forward dividend yield um, of you know five six percent dividend yield, which is actually which is actually quite astonishing. And if you look at their dividends over time, um, they've actually been quite stable. As I said, other than passing it during the COVID. They've actually paid out reasonably stable dividends. So if we if we just exclude uh, exclude the, uh, the, the the COVID, it's not a bad dividend yield that you actually get from these shares. I mean, like in two thousand and eight and that the dividends fell a little bit, but it's a reasonably stable dividend yield. So the banking shares are not bad investments over time, as long as you buy them when they're reasonably priced, which I think they they still are. Now, I mean, these shares have gone up. Um, let me just get the actual data here. Just hang on a second. Certainly. Yeah. These shares have actually done, you know, since since the lockdown, you know, the net bank share gone from like 75 Rand to 182 Rand. But under normal circumstances, in other words, when earnings normalize, you know, this share's probably should be trading at 220, 230 rate. So I think there is still some value on all the banks, not just net bank. I think there is still some value to be had from these shares.
1: Okay, so you would continue to accumulate given what you've seen. But on the other yes. hand, can you tell me where you're most encouraged? I mean, is this top-line
0: growth? Is this bottom-line? Is it cost-control? No, it's bottom-line growth. It's, it's reversal of provisions they made last year. right. Uh, so, I mean, I mean the, the, they are getting growth. Mm-hmm. So there is credit growth, but it's all very low single digit, which I suppose is not bad given the circumstances. All right. You know, they're still growing their book.
1: They're still growing their book. But on the other hand, you know, are, are people are coming? I mean, let's talk about the retail side of things first of all. Are people queuing up at Nedbank in order to open a, a new account or are they just readjusting the shares on the on, on the Titanic? I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but do you, you see what I mean. They're getting blood out of the, yeah, people, blood people, out of the
0: stone. Yeah, people are not – they're not expanding their loan book massively and that is just the, the truth of the matter simply because – I suppose at the end of the day, a lack of confidence, Mm -hmm. because when you look at the actual statistics of borrowings in South Africa, now these are, uh, you know, unfortunately, debt dynamics always carry a bit of sensational reporting with debt dynamics. People, you know, always like to say we massively, you know, the South African consumer is massively indebted, and, you know, you know how many insolvencies and how many people have been declared insolvent. But when you look at the raw numbers, South Africans actually are not that over geared. I mean, we've had far higher levels of gearing in the past, specifically 2007. Debt levels were way higher. But even more important than that, when you look at the cost of the debt because of low interest rates. So in other words, how much of your earnings goes into paying interest. It's of the lowest on record. So in other words, if, and, and it's a big if, if more confidence returns to South Africa, if there's more structural reform that the government implements, if people just start to feel a little bit more confident that we have a better government in charge and things in the future will look better than in the last 15 years, if you still got a job, and of course there's, you know, we all know the job statistics. But if you still got a job, you actually have the ability to borrow more. So with the return in confidence, we could actually see the see the, the the book starting to grow a little bit.
1: Okay, well let's, let's hope that happens, and let's hope the money that people have saved, or rather not spent over the last uh, year and a yes. half, two years, uh, starts to filter back into the economy via yeah. banks like NB. It's, it's
0: interesting, yeah. It's actually interesting that because I had sat, we had a presentation by one of our group economists, and I didn't believe it, but you know, he showed all the numbers, obviously. Yes. That disposable income is actually higher now than what it was pre the lockdown, and it's actually higher than what it was in 2019 before there was any talk of lockdown. In other words, if you kept your job, your disposable income is actually quite high. And, I mean, that's because interest rates are low and, you know, no one's driving their car. And But the actual disposable income that you got, you know, it's higher than what it was before, before lockdown. So there's, there's a full recovery in consumer disposable income.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's, you know, for once in our lives, we've been responsible in South Africa is what you're saying. But it was forced upon yes. us. Yes. Okay. Well, yes. that's good. Uh, Let's uh, go go overseas now because we've got record highs across the board, I think, in the United States of America. And for some extraordinary reason, it was because inflation came in, again, at a rather elevated level of 5.4%. I think that's three months in a row now that it's been way up there and even higher than uh, South Africa's. But there must have been something in the numbers that said to people, well, yes, that word that was used by uh, Jerome Powell, the chairman of the US Federal Reserve, he said, well, this is just transitory. Well, it's been more than transitory for about three months, but I think something must have uh, got people encouraged by them saying well interest rates are not going to rise because the numbers here told a story for the future not the past what did you see if you saw them at all
0: yeah well look i mean i didn't study the numbers i must just but i know what the headline number was me too but yeah when you look now this is now pure statistics okay Mm. when you look at what Let's use the biggest one of all. So I'm going to talk about food inflation. Yes. So food inflation in dollar terms has gone from an index of, call it 90 to 140. So that's a 50% increase in food prices in dollar terms, which is massive. So in the last year, you've had a, a 50% increase in food prices in dollar terms. Now for that to have the same effect on inflation next year, it must go up by another fifty percent. Yeah, you know, it is already at it's already at uh, fifty year highs. So the food price of the price of food in dollar terms is already at fifty year highs, and to have the same effect on inflation next year it's got to go up another 50%. So it's got to go up to a level that will be 50% higher than the 50-year high price. So the chances of that happening is extremely rare. And the chances of food falling 40 or 50% in the next two years is far higher than the chances of it rising another 50%. And if that does happen, then food inflation is transitory and the same applies for commodities, the same applies for the oil price, the whole shooting match. Then in the U.S., there's some very specific things related to the lockdown that have also caused inflation in the last two months. And there the classic one is used car prices. I mean, the percentage contribution of used car prices to the overall inflation number is quite massive. It's one of the biggest contributory items because there's no chips. You can't buy a new car, so the prices of used cars have gone through the roof. And then with lumber, because of all the fires and a whole lot of other reasons, the price of wood's gone through the roof as well. So therefore, I agree that this inflation does seem to be transitory, However, if it's not, the share market is in deep, deep trouble. When You talk about lumber. No ways. Yeah, uh, uh, lumber. There's there's no uh, ways. Yeah.
1: Let me me tell you, give you some stats now. Because lumber was obviously the poster commodity for people. Uh, Lumber down four and a half percent on the day. It's down sixteen, sixteen and a half percent on the week. It's down 26% on the month, and it's down down 42% year to date so far. From the peak, yes. And if you look at uh, another one, which is everyone talks about every morning, everyone wakes up in South Africa and says, Well, what's the iron ore price doing? Iron ore was 225, and I'm just looking at iron ore now as well. And you suddenly think to yourself, Well, here we go, um, iron ore. It's down point nine percent on the day. It's down thirteen and a half percent on the week. It's down twenty five percent on the month, and it's only up four and a half percent year to date. So, so suddenly, on a monthly yep. basis, iron ore is in a bear market. Suddenly, from two twenty five yes. to one sixty five, it's turned down. It's turned yep. down. I mean, Rick, I, and to your credit, you called it.
0: Yeah, I haven't got the iron ore price you're looking at. I'm looking at a thing called iron ore fines, which but it's the same thing. Just that the absolute price levels are slightly different. So that peaked at a quarter one hundred and fifty dollars. That's down at one hundred and ten. You've got I mean, a, that's down almost thirty odd percent I from think, its peak. I think you've got iron ore sixty two percent Fe. It says here. I've got two grades, and one yeah, is that, one that, one sixty. That's the right one to look at. I, I just yeah. Yeah, I just haven't got it here. I'm looking at this fines, which is like the dust. Yeah, but it's the same. The price is showing the same trend, mm-hmm. and then the classic one, the absolute classic one is. Uh, uh, rhodium. Okay, I'm going
1: to get my rhodium chart up here. I'm very organised today, Wayne. Yeah, you t- t- tell me. I, mean, I rhodium.
0: Rhodium peaked at thirty thousand. Mm. A couple of months ago, in 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 um, April, it peaked at thirty thousand. Yes. Down at nineteen. Eh.
1: Nineteen thousand. Yeah,
0: I've got that on my screen. Yes. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. It's so not, so it's not I think a great the one. commodity cycle. Mm. Yeah, I think the commodity cycle has turned over. Which we've spoken about many times. I mm. think the food, because food is a commodity as well, that's also turned over. And if that, if that is maintained, then inflation's not a problem, both locally and in the US. Mm. But make no mistake. And I'll say it again. If that is not the case, if inflation stays above 4% in America by, let's say, April, May next year, the share market is in deep. Deep trouble.
1: Yes, because you can't have zero, you, so. you can't have zero percent interest rates and four to five percent no,
0: inflation. It's, well, it's, it's untenable. Not even not even yeah. You have massively your real interest rates are massively negative. Hmm. Okay. Well, now if you look at the US, now maybe the best indicator is not what Jerome Powell says or what I think or what you think or what anyone thinks. The US long bond, which is actually quite a fair predictor, a very accurate predictor of the future. This is not a two percent or three percent or three and a half percent. It's at one point three, and it is. It has fallen from one point six to one point three, at the same time as the U.S. number inflation numbers being above five. So the U the long bond says there's no ways this inflation. It could be wrong. I mean, the long bond has been wrong before, very very seldom, by the way, but it has been wrong before. But if if the U.S. long bond is right, which I, which I believe it is right, that inflation number is going to be below two percent within a year. Okay, it could, a- even, it could even be, it could even be it could even be significantly lower than that, because if food falls thirty percent, if commodities, if uh, industrial commodities fall thirty percent, if the oil price goes to fifty, if the iron ore price goes to hundred and ten, then that will actually have a negative effect year on year on inflation. Okay. So, so inflation could actually be well below two percent. In a year's time, in America, we'll see. It could and that's be... what the market thinks. That's what the U.S. long bonds thinks. Well,
1: the U.S. ten-year bond yield is now 1.36%. Um, it's down from 1.75%. Yeah. That's the one that I look at. Was as low as 1.15%. Yes. So it's rallied by 20 basis points yield-wise. Yes. But still, way, way away from the, uh, the the peak we saw when inflation first reared its head. Maybe the inflation story and the commodity story is simply because it's August, and uh, simply because the commodity traders are all spending enormous amounts of money that they've earned over the last year and a half, two years, and they've gone yeah, on a bit of look, a break and come we'll back in September and it could cycle. go up again. Yeah, it could be all, all, No, all we've just the had
0: hand. a commodity cycle. Super cycle, you know, actually. I think, well, we can come back to the super cycle, because it's not the one that, that I think a lot of people think of, the current super cycle in place. Hmm. But if you look at commodity prices, now these are all dollar terms, and this is now going back Oh, let me just get the data here. Yeah.
1: Actually, if you want to have going a listen back, to a good commodity commentary, go, yeah, go, to, go to Peter Major on uh, strictlybusinesspodcast.com. I interviewed him today. He's very, very good on commodities, as, as you know. But anyway, go on with your analysis.
0: Commodity prices, now this is now in absolute dollar terms, mm-hmm. peaked in 2011, 2012 at an index level of 220. All right. Okay. Then it fell to 100. And with one little hiccup, which is essentially COVID, it's gone from 100 back to 220. In other words, commodity prices now are back at the highest levels that we have seen for 60 years. Yes, exactly. Now, the chances of that doubling again over the next year are remote. Highly unlikely.
1: Yes,
0: yes, yes. Now, the downside's limited, eh? They're not going back to, they're not going to half because they're only halved on the back of this absolute tsunami of new supply coming on street. But they can still fall 30% easily. They are cyclical. And a lot of people, you know, what I've found in life and in investments, people almost take current set of circumstances and extrapolate that forever. So when you're in the doldrums, you know, you're never going to see the light of day. And when you're on a high and everything's going so well, it's never going to stop. And that causes, I think, the biggest errors in investments that uh, that are ever made. People just buy in to the current set of circumstances prevailing forever. So, good examples. Now, no one wanted to touch oil when it was, you know, minus $15 a barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one wanted to touch it then. Um, no one wanted to touch iron ore when it got below thirty dollars a barrel, uh, a ton. You know, no one wanted to touch it, and yet everyone wants to buy iron ore when it's a hundred and fifty and going up. You know, you, these things are cyclical, and I think we have experienced a very normal up cycle in commodity prices now. And over the next year or two, I think we're going to experience a very normal down cycle. Even though the downside is clearly limited, and when I so do f- not going to get com- commodity prices halving, not halving, but no, but, but
1: certainly not going up. Because I think the Something one thing here is, of course, that the the, the main driver for the main equation when it comes to determining a commodity price is number one supply number two demand okay we yes. know there's not that much more supply coming onto the market we haven't yeah. seen any massive investment in in new mines okay so supply is still relatively constrained but the demand side of things Correct. is going to start to tail off i think because of forecasts of chinese growth so. coming down and us gdp mm-hmm. having peaked because it was a anti-lockdown or release of lockdown yes. a boost and that's not going to happen and just like Correct. commodities can't go up, yeah. and so I think you're probably right. I mean, I'm looking at uh, crude oil now. It was doing quite nicely, but now uh, Brent crude oil is just about to break seventy dollars a barrel. It was seventy six not that long ago, and that's quite a big yeah. move. That's eight nine percent, I think. It
0: is. And the oil oil's a funny one because that price is manipulated by the supply constraints at OPEC plus A. Eh? Yeah, that's a little. That's not free market forces happening there at the moment.
1: No, but it's influential. Yeah. Very influential. Wayne, I haven't got any food stories for you this week.
0: Uh, you know, i no food yeah. stories. I've got a very nice, very nice actual food story for you. Oh please. I went out I went out on Friday and I had some delicious it's called New Age sushi. Oh yes. And it's it's but it was crispy rock shrimp. Right. Uh Done, not hot, but lukewarm mm-hmm. with this special sort of white Japanese tangy mayonnaise. And it's got a special name. I just cannot remember the name. But it, it looks like mayonnaise, but it's got a very unique flavor to it. And this thing was served sort of lukewarm, you know, slightly above, I don't know. I know
1: what you was, mean. It was quite
0: cold. Yet, so it was above root temperature. Yeah. And it was totally delicious.
1: Where did you have it? Not Willoughby's in Hyde Park, was it? No.
0: No, 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 no. I went to the, there's a local place that we actually go to quite often. Uh, we call it the Gin Bar. It's called, its actual name is Josie Gin. Mm. And the the. it's a very, very nice place. The food is fantastic. The steaks are, are lovely. The only slight negative I'll say about it is that and this is specifically related to me. When I go there, I am by a country mile, the oldest person there. So it's a little bit of a, sort of a 20, 25, 30-year-old mm. type of hangout. But, it, but it, it's, it's, it's very nice and people are friendly. And, you know, the music may be a little bit too loud and I don't know what music's is playing I around. Mean, I don't clearly recognize the songs. But it's got a nice atmosphere to it. And uh, the decor is actually set up like a – almost like an old station an old train station type of setup. They've got a huge board where they show all the destinations for the trains, you know, going to Da'ar and going down to Cape Town and the departure time and what platform. And it's actually a nice place, and and the food is truly fantastic. Sounds a bit too trendy. Sounds a bit too trendy for you and I, though, Wayne. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying, is that other than sticking out like a sore thumb because you are double – Probably three times the age of the average person there. It's still very nice. And, and this sushi was too delicious for words. Then they also do a, a halomi with like a lemon vinaigrette, a grilled halomi cheese with like a lemon vinaigrette dressing on it. Oh, also delicious. Eh?
1: I'm looking at it now. Josie Jinbar in Morningside. Yep. Yeah, and yes. it,
0: gets, it gets
1: four and a half – actually, it gets five stars on the oh – no, four and a half stars out of five on the place I'm looking at now, which is, uh, I think, diningout.co.za. Josie Gin Etreet yeah. in Morningside looks very, very, very flash. That's and very I don't, nice. I don't know what, the people must, what people must spend on setting up a place that looks like that. It must cost millions. It must cost a couple right, of million to that. set
0: up a shop like this. Yeah, and then you set idle for half of the whole last year. Mm. And I really feel sorry for people with restaurants and that i mean there's a, another place very close to where I live um and our nickname for it is the dive, so I won't actually give its real name of course not because it might it might turn a few people off, but it's a fantastic place, yes, the chairs are a bit rickety, and you know you don't quite get a match knife and fork when they bring you the cutlery and stuff like like that. But the food is astonishingly good. It really is. They have got, it sounds simplistic, they have got a bourrevos starter there Mm. where they bring you little slices of bourrevos in garlic with a cheese sauce and lovely toasted bits of uh, French bread, like French toasted bread with this. It is too delicious for it.
1: Sounds very good for your cholesterol. Wayne McCurry, thank you very much for your time. I know you've got a five o'clock. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position,